Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church, North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. We have been in this series called A Better Way. Can you say a better way? And what really our thesis is, is that the way of Jesus is better than the way of the world. The way of Jesus is better than what the world has to offer. That's been our working thesis in this series. And so week one, we talked about how the way of Jesus is an unanxious life. It's a life of rest. It's a life of rhythms. It's a life of solitude and prayer and devotion. And this world is crazy. Amen, Lighthouse? And it's trying to hurry you and it's trying to press you and it's trying to push you. And gas keeps going up. Okay, I don't know what I have to do with anything. But it's like, world is crazy. And the way of Jesus is not. It's not an anxious life. And then we talked about the importance of living under a shepherd and Pastor Sam. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Sam last Sunday? Wasn't he just a blessing to the church so today we're going to continue on join me in Matthew chapter 3 verses 13 through 17 we're going to read four verses I'm going to give you a minute to find it on your Bibles or on your Bible app on your phone but we're going to be reading now from Matthew chapter 3 and today I'm going to preach on the topic of baptism because it's Baptism Sunday, and uh, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture, and and then we're going to dive in. Here we go. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought, the way of righteousness. The way of righteousness. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity once more to gather here in this place. Father, your word is anointed. Your word is powerful. It is the one consistent thing that has stood the ages. And Father, I pray now that as I preach from your word, that your Holy Spirit do a work in the life of every person in this room. As I speak to this audience, would you speak to the individual? Would you speak specifically to what each person needs from you here in this moment? God, I pray for your presence to saturate this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Clap your hands one last time, and you may be seated. Let's talk about the way of righteousness. How many know that perspective matters? How many know perspective matters? Let Let me give you an example. Say there are a couple of cars that have a collision right in the middle of a four-way intersection. Someone ran a red light. They were too busy, distracted, and another car comes out on the green, and boom, you've got an accident. Perspective is basically four people on different intersections, different sides of the intersection, and seeing different things. 
Because depending on where you're standing, you might not have seen that that car ran the red light because you had your back towards the signal. Depending on where you're standing, you might think, well, this car went and it was still this car's turn to go because you didn't actually see that he had the red light. And the crazy thing about perspective is there can be four different perspectives, but there can only be one truth. Like one thing happened. And though everyone there has a different version of the events, there still is only one truth. That's the power of perspective. And I say that because I want to talk to you about the perspective on Jesus' baptism today. So in our text, we read from Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism. But there are four Gospels in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of these Gospels is written to a different audience. You need to understand that. Each writer had a different intention based on the reader. If it feels like you're in school this morning, I am teaching to you like I teach to the Bible college here at Lighthouse Church. So we're going to get a little lesson in theology. There are four Gospels that are written to four different audiences, so you have to process that information, putting on the mind, putting on the lens of the reader. Now let me try to break this down for you because I want to make it make sense for you all. It matters who the reader is because we use different language based on our audience. We do this all the time, whether you know it or not. So say, for example, because I like to talk about food, I'm going to give you a food example, and I'm hungry. That's neither here nor there. But imagine going to a restaurant, and you tried it for the first time, and you absolutely loved it. Now, if you're anything like me, you're going to tell everyone about that restaurant. When I go to some place that I absolutely love, I don't yelp it. I just go telling everybody I know. You've got to go to this place. You've got to give it a shot. Now, if I was talking to my parents, I would say to them, Mom, Dad, the food is amazing. You got to go. The food is so good. And they would go. Now, if I was talking to my peer, say someone of a certain age that had their heyday in the 90s. Come on, somebody. Where's everyone whose heyday was in the 90s? Yeah, we take, we take pain medication now for back, ankle, whatever. So, so if... if if, if I'm talking to someone, maybe I'm talking to Pastor Joe, I would say to him, Joe, the food is bomb. <laughs> That's what we said in the 90s, right? The place is bomb. And my, my kids would look at me like, you dinosaur. Nobody says that anymore. Why are you saying that? Now, if I was talking to my kid, oh, get ready, high school, I'm coming, I'm coming, my dusty self is coming. If I was talking to my kids, I might say, the food was bussin' or the food slapped. And my mom would be slapped who? What happened? <laughs> what are we talking about? I would use different language to try to communicate with my audience. I've just essentially taught you guys theology through a practical application. All of the Gospels are written to different audiences, so you have to understand who it is written to. So in Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism, Matthew wrote to a Jewish audience. Can you all say Jewish? His readers were Jews. And so what Matthew does in his gospel is he is trying to show them before Jesus' baptism that Jesus is the Messiah. And he does that in Matthew chapter 1 by first giving us Matthew's lineage. That's a very Jewish thing. He tells us this kid, I'm sorry, 
This guy was the daddy of this guy who was the daddy of this guy who was the daddy of this guy who was the daddy of this who was the daddy. 28 generations are listed in Matthew. 28. I remember not too long ago someone asked me, Pastor, do we really have to read all of this? Yes and no. I mean, it's beautiful, but, but I get it. It's probably not your favorite part of your daily Bible reading. And then Matthew goes on to tell us a little more about Jesus. It goes on to tell us about his birth and the angels and the wise men and the shepherds. All of that was necessary. Why was it necessary? Because all of those things are prophesied that point to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, So what Matthew has to do to his Jewish audience is tell them who Jesus is by telling us where he came from. It's very much like the Hispanic culture, the Jewish culture. Hispanics do this all the time. If I talk to someone and they're trying to talk to me in Spanish, first off, I'm like, brother, I don't speak Spanish fluently, so slow your roll, okay? Slow down, and we're going to get there, but don't talk fast and don't talk in idioms because I will not understand you. But typically when I'm talking to someone and, and they want to know about my family, they'll ask this question. It's a very Hispanic thing. They'll say, and, and your grandma, where is she from? What town is she from and the minute I tell them she's from Nayarit oh I know all about your family I'm like how do you know all about my family but the minute you tell them where you're from they're like oh this family and this family and your cousin is so and so and your uncle is so so I'm like I don't know who they are but apparently you do so apparently they're my family in the same way have you guys seen that in Hispanic culture they want to know what town in Mexico your family was from and uh, in the same way the Jewish culture is like that and so that is why Matthew obliges Matthew has to take the Jewish reader into the lineage of Jesus or said differently into to the past of Jesus in order that they would see Jesus as the Messiah. Let me make an application of, out of all of that. You see, Jesus, because he is the Messiah, because John, his cousin, John the Baptist, knows that he's the Messiah, I want you to get the picture of Jesus' baptism. Because now in Matthew chapter 3, after Matthew has given us all of his lineage, after Matthew has told us all the, the signs around his birth, then we see 30-year-old Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. We see a whole grown man, Jesus. We don't see Jesus the baby. We don't see Jesus the teenager. We see grown man, 30-year-old Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, and he just pops out of nowhere. And, 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 And what was important for Matthew was for the reader to see that this man was the Messiah. And then we get to Jesus' baptism, and Matthew's recording it even more because John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, he knows who Jesus is. And so he's looking out at the line that had formed people that were standing in line to be baptized. And John's looking, and he sees sinner, 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 Savior, sinner, sinner. Hold up. It's like that old show, one of these things is not like the other. Matthew looks, and he's like, Oh, you, you there, hey, hey, and I'm paraphrasing. He's like, I should not be baptizing you. If anything, you should get in this water and baptize me. And this is when Jesus says to him, listen, I need to be water baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. Let me explain to you what's going on now. John is looking at Jesus and says, you don't qualify for baptism. You don't qualify because I baptize sinner and you sinners and you have no sin. 
I baptize people that are in need of repentance. You have nothing to repent for. You are sinless. You are the spotless lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And yet here you are in line to be baptized. No, no, no. You're not qualified for baptism. Now, in the same way, some of us feel like we're not qualified for baptism. I'm not talking about in the same way as Jesus because he was overqualified, but maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I am underqualified for baptism. I've made too many mistakes to ever be welcomed into the kingdom of God. I have a past and it disqualifies me from the kingdom of God. I've done a lot of bad things and therefore I could never be good enough to be baptized. But listen to what Jesus says Jesus says to John in that moment, I need to be baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. And here's the first thing that I want you to write down if you're taking notes. The way of Jesus teaches us that baptism isn't for the qualified. Baptism is for the submitted. You don't qualify for baptism. You submit to baptism. We could never qualify for baptism. We could never be good enough to earn anything through Christ. We just submit to baptism because we've made him the Lord and the Savior of our life. Come on, clap your hands if you believe that. There's nothing I could do to earn it. There's nothing I could do to deserve it. The way of Jesus is not qualification. The way of Jesus is that we submit and Jesus submitted himself to baptism. Did you know that Jesus was constantly submitting himself? The way of Jesus is a life of submission. And this is why I get real, real shifty around Christians who have a problem submitting to authority. That is an anti-Christ spirit. I'm not calling you the anti-Christ. You're not the devil, okay? But Jesus lived a submitted life. And if you're unwilling to submit, then you're living a life that is not after the pattern of Jesus. And so Jesus, not qualified, but yet he submitted to baptism. You see, here's the deal. He was overqualified, but he didn't let his past get in the way of his future. Some of you feel like you're not qualified and you're letting your past get in the way of your future. You think that your past has the permission to hold you bound, but I've got some news for your flash, ladies and gentlemen. I've got some news for your past, ladies and gentlemen. God has already forgiven you of your past. He's already erased all of your sins. He's already forgiven you from the wrong that you've done. He's already seen the worst of you and he yet he says, I still love you. I still choose you. I still want you. All I need is for you to come and take my lordship over your life. And I'm really concerned because there's people here today that are brokering their future for their past. And that's not the way of Jesus. Jesus wants to free you. Jesus wants to give you a hope and a future. Clap your hands if, you're, if you believe that with me today. I got to move forward. Let me get to Luke's gospel. As I said just a minute ago, we have different perspectives on Jesus' baptism, so Luke's gospel is different. Luke's gospel is our gospel. Can you say our gospel? The book of Luke is a great book to read. If you've never read a book in the Bible and you're looking to start reading a book in the Bible, read the book of Luke. I would start there and then go to the book of Acts. The reason being is the book of Luke is our gospel. It is the gospel to the Gentiles, which is 
I'm going to guess 99% of this room, if not 100% of this room. It is our gospel. And I want you to see how Luke writes his gospel. The way Luke writes his gospel is he shows us baby Jesus. He shows us Jesus being presented in the temple when Jesus shortly after his birth. He shows us 12-year-old Jesus. We see Jesus arguing with the lawyers and the teachers of religious law when he's 12 years old in the temple. As a matter of fact, his mommy came looking for him. His mama Mary was like, Jesus, where were you? We were all heading back home and back to, we were all heading back home and you stayed in Jerusalem three extra days. The, the, the trip for Passover is over. Jesus got a little sassy with his mom. You remember that part of the scripture? We said, what do you mean you were looking for me? You shouldn't have had to look. You knew where I'd be right here in my father's house. And so we see Jesus and then we see him at his baptism. What's my point in saying all of that? Luke wants to make sure that we see Jesus before we see his baptism. Luke wants to make sure that we see Jesus. And then something crazy happens. It's something that's a little different from Matthew. You see, Matthew chapter 1 starts with the genealogy of Jesus. And then again, we get to his baptism in chapter 3. Luke shows us baby Jesus. Luke shows us teenager Jesus. Luke shows us the baptism of Jesus. And do you want to know what Luke then shows us? The genealogy of Jesus. It's after his baptism. What does that mean? Well, here's what... I think it means until you see who Jesus is, you will not fully understand who you are. Until you see who Jesus is, you will not fully understand who you are. Luke said, I know Matthew gave you his history before he showed you the person. I want to show you the person before I show you his history. Let me make an application here because you might be thinking, Pastor Josh, what do you mean I'm not going to know who I am until I see Jesus? Here's what the Bible teaches us. We're made in the image and the likeness of God. We're made in the image and in the likeness of God. So if we want to know what we're supposed to be like, we've got to see God. The only problem is you can't see him. He's invisible. You can't see him because he's a spirit. Now, I know some of y'all like safe, safe, and you're like, I've seen God. I'm talking about physically see him, okay? I know you flew in here on your angel's wings and you had communion for breakfast, but I'm talking about you've not physically seen him. And yet God, and yet the word says we are to be like him. So here's what God does. This is why I love the scriptures. So what God does is he sends his son to the earth so that when we see his son, we see him, and when we see his son, we see who we're supposed to be. You see, the disciples asked him, John chapter 14, verses 8 through 9, let me read you this passage. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. They're talking about God. Show us the Father, and that we will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus was saying, when you see me, you see the Father because me and the Father are one. And so if you want to see what life is supposed to look like, look at Jesus. If you want to see how life is meant to be lived, look at Jesus. If you want to see how a life should be lived that goes against the world, that goes against culture, that goes against everything that this world is trying trying to place on you look at Jesus and live a life that looks like Jesus 
That's why we're talking about this in this series because too many of us have been seeing the church and not seeing Jesus. Too many of us have been seeing our favorite preacher, but yet we've not seen Jesus. Too many of us have been too busy playing church and still not see Jesus. And this is why Lighthouse Church is committed to making sure that we show more people Jesus. We're not here to make much of ourselves. We're here to make much about Jesus because it's not about our name. It's not about our brand. It's not about our logo. It's not about our culture. It is all about Jesus. And it is all about us pointing people to him. I love this quote by Pastor Chris Hodges. He's one of my favorite pastors in this country. He says, too many people come to the church looking for God and all they see is us. All they see is us. See, Lighthouse Church, let that never be said of us. Let that never be said that all they did was walk in and see a church full of themselves. No, no, no. Let them say, I walked in and I encountered the presence of Jesus. I encountered the presence of someone who was real. I encountered the love of God. I encountered the grace of God. I encountered the mercy of God. I encountered something that is so much better than this world. I used to run to relationships or to substances for highs and ways to experience the fullness of life, but then I encountered the love of Jesus. Come on, Lighthouse Church. How many know what I'm talking about? When you encountered the love of Jesus, it was better than anything that you've ever encountered in this world. And so we've got to be willing to step out of the way and show people who Jesus is. Now let me get back to the righteousness of God because Jesus said, I got to get baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. Do you guys know what righteousness means? Righteousness means? means simply this to be morally and ethically right to be morally and ethically right so Jesus was already morally and ethically right and yet he stood in line with sinners so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a few of you because I want to illustrate this so um, I'm gonna ask Pastor Joe to come on up here Teo you coming up here too let me get my brother Jacob up here Sam why don't you come up here and Peter why don't you come on up here too why don't you guys come up on stage right through those stairs right there let's give these gentlemen a round of applause they're gonna help me preach right now so here's what we're gonna do Teo you're the youngest of the group up here so I'm gonna make you be Jesus for this example okay let's give it up for Teo Sam, why don't you come stand over here? And so now we have Jesus standing in line to be baptized, okay? And, 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 and as Jesus is standing in line to be baptized, this, this is the scene right here. As I said just a minute ago, Jesus, who's already righteous, right? Hey, he didn't need to be in that line. And yet there he is standing with everyone else and John is serving the situation he's like sinner 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 righteous sinner and this is why John says to him hold on a second you need to get out of that line you you shouldn't be in that line for baptism but what Jesus was doing was Jesus came forward walk with me tail and he was submitting everybody say submitting he was submitting to the act of baptism and then he tells John something wild he says I need to do this in order to fulfill all righteousness hold on a second you're righteous already Jesus I know that I'm already righteous but I'm still submitting to this because I've got a plan to save them 
And if I can't stand among them, then I can't save them. If I can't stand with the sinners, I can't save sinners. See, this is some of your problem. You don't have any friends that are sinners, Lighthouse Church. I'm, all your friends are safe, safe. You know what I mean? And, and you need some people that you can stand with so you can bring them to something as fun as the block party and that they can get a fresh vision of Jesus for their life. Y'all talking with me so far? So Jesus had to stand among them before he can stand in front of them. Now, Jesus didn't just submit to baptism, but later in life, three and a half years later to be exact, he would submit one more time to death. So, Taylor, I'm going to have you lay down if you don't mind. I'm asking you because you're the young one. These guys, their back might go out on me if I ask them to do all this, so, except for Sam. All right. I'm kidding, guys. So, later, Jesus would submit himself to death. The righteous lamb of God who had no sin. Not only did he get baptized and he didn't need to get baptized, but he goes on a cross. He dies a sinner's death, but he's not a sinner. A righteous man dies not just for us, but as us. And, and they they took him off the cross after he was crucified and they buried him in a grave. The only problem was they didn't realize that they weren't burying him. Instead, they were planting him. There's a difference. You see, Jesus is the seed of righteousness. And what do you do with seeds? You bury them. You bury seeds so that they can produce fruit. So Jesus submitted to the cross, submitted himself to a grave. They thought they were burying him. They didn't know they were planting him. Now, Taylor, I'm going to help you up. All right, come on, stand up, stand up. And, and you're going to help me finish this message now, Taylor. What he, Jesus does next is, take those. I want you to one by one take their sign and give them your sign. Give them one of your signs. Go down the line and get out of the way so you all see this. Jesus submitted himself to a grave so that he could be planted and now the fruit of having been planted is everyone who was once a sinner has now become the righteousness of God only Jesus can bury himself as a righteous person come out and now have fruit of righteousness aren't you all thankful that it is through his blood that we have been made righteous aren't you all thankful that we didn't have to earn it and we don't have to deserve it but it's the fruit of the seed that has been buried it produces fruit of righteousness now listen to me lighthouse church every single one of you in this room you're the righteousness of God when does that moment happen? When does that moment happen? I'll take this and you guys can go. Let's give it up to these gentlemen right now for them helping me. Thank you, Tao. Let me, let, me, let me finish this message as I come to a close. I want you to see this. Jesus submits to baptism. He submits to the grave to plant the seeds of righteousness so that he can produce fruits of righteousness. Later, Paul would talk about this in Romans. In Romans, Paul says, we become the righteousness of God by faith. Everybody say faith. faith. If you're taking notes, write it down this way. It is only by faith. 
that we become the righteousness of God. That's the good news, everybody. We're not preaching a gospel of works. We're preaching the good news of faith. Oh, I thought we'd get a better amen than that in the room today. We're not preaching a gospel of do's and don'ts. We're preaching a gospel of faith. You see, Paul said, as he's arguing with people that would try to discredit faith, he asked them this question. He said, when did Abraham become righteous? And they said, when he believed. Every one of you here today, when do you become the righteousness of God? When you believe. Abraham was declared righteous when he believed. And then Paul went on to say, and it was after that that Paul was circumcised. He was talking about it was after that that he submitted himself to the outward process. Now, he's making a reference to baptism, and he is saying, we are righteous not through baptism. We are righteous through faith. And after we have made that profession of faith, the very next thing for us to do is to get water baptized. It's just that simple lighthouse, church. And I think so many times we've put the cart before the horse. We've, we've put things in the wrong order. And I'm here to tell somebody, maybe you've been putting off baptism because someone mishandled the scriptures. And maybe you made an agreement with a lie. But let me tell you, the minute that you submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, the minute that you have made him your savior, that is the moment when he says, you're no longer a sinner. Now you are the righteousness of God. Now you are my son and daughter. And out of obedience, we submit to water baptism. Water baptism matters, Lighthouse Church. I'm not here trying to distill that down at all. Sometimes people tell me, but listen, if the finished work of, if the, if the cross is the finished work of Christ, do I really need to get water baptized? And I ask them, listen to me, my friend, Jesus was water baptized. And if Jesus got water baptized, I don't know who you think you are, that you think you don't have to do it, but if Jesus was water baptized, I think you should be water baptized. Sometimes the Bible is that simple to me. We, sometimes we make it a little more confusing than it needs to be. But, but that's that's what we read in the text that belief first and after belief there is an outward profession of your faith and there are so many people here today that are ready for your next step and to you I'd like to say that we would love the opportunity to celebrate this next step with you if you've never been water baptized you can get water baptized right now today like now now in just a minute, we're going to dismiss. We're going to go outside, and we have a young person ready to get baptized. And, 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 and if, if you want to join them today, you can do that right now. But baptism is what follows a personal. Everybody say personal. Personal profession of faith. And I, I want to tread lightly, but I want to say this honoringly. Nobody can profess faith for you. Nobody can declare faith over you. You have to work out your own salvation, the Bible tells us. And, and so this is something that every one of you must do out of your own profession. I, I, I made a profession of faith, and then I submitted to baptism, just as Jesus submitted to baptism. So right there, I want to pray for you. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads?
all over this place. Let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.